Thank you, Pastor Jeff. It is a privilege to be here today. It is also a great privilege to have my mom with us today. She's right down here in the front. I'm a Jean Manis, just turned 95 years old. And she, and she rode her Harley Davidson all the way out here on her way to Sturgis. <laughs> Headed to Sturgis. Mom, good to have you here. And uh, I'm thankful that she can come out and spend some time with us. The scripture we're looking at today is going to be taken from the New International Version, which is not typically the version that Pastor Jeff preaches from. All the verses will be on the screens for you. And uh, you, if you have your electronic uh, gadget that has your Bible on it, you'll be able to find it there. Or uh, if you bought a Bible with you, if you don't own a Bible, every Sunday we give away Bibles, which I think is an amazing thing. To give away a Bible, put it in the hands of someone who doesn't have God's Word, their own copy. So on your way out today, if you don't own a Bible, stop at guest services and they'll be glad to get one to you. This scripture this morning that we're talking about really focuses in on two main themes. We'll only be able to look at one of them. Perhaps another time we'll be able to look at the second. The two themes are grace and truth. Grace and truth. The scripture is found in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Two phrases in particular to pay attention to, one in verse 14 and one in verse 17, that talks about this grace and truth that was gifted to us through Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, he was full of grace and truth. And verse 17 says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What amazing blessings that they are. And so the big idea for today is grace and truth are the foundation of faith. You take grace and truth away and there is no faith because God in His grace enables us to believe the truth and by faith receive Him. And so grace and truth are very powerful. The big idea, they are the foundation of faith which then leads to what would, I would consider to be the big idea, big question, and that's this. What do I need to know about grace? And perhaps down the road I'll be able to preach sometime, what do I need to know about truth? Now I don't pretend that I can share with you everything there is to know about grace in 30 minutes. And one of the reasons for that is I don't know everything about grace. It's, it's just beyond my thinking at times. As we were praying in Jeff's office this morning, one of the men of the church said, you know, it, it just boggles my mind when I try to think about God's grace. It, it just goes beyond our understanding. And so I, I understand that. But yet I believe in this scripture this morning and in a scripture over in Titus that we're going to look at, there are three basic elements 
of what grace really is all about. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So number one is this. What do I need to know about grace? It is an immeasurable resource. It's beyond measure. We try to describe it, and we put descriptive words in front of it like marvelous grace, wonderful grace, amazing grace, and that doesn't do it justice. It is an immeasurable resource, and that comes right out of verse 16. Look at that verse again. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received. Everybody say all. We have all received. That's why I tell you it's an immeasurable resource. Everybody is a recipient in one way or another of the grace of God. But then he goes on to add this. We have all received one blessing after another. Now, I don't know about you. I like being blessed. And I like getting one blessing after another. One translation says it's grace on top of grace. Didn't we sing that this morning? Oh, well, we don't deserve it. Grace on top of grace. Now, there may be some of you sitting here this morning, and maybe this is your first time at Element, first time to hear the, the, the message of, of the gospel, and you might be thinking, well, I've never been a recipient of that, that blessing from God or God's grace, and I hope that, that when I share with you a little bit, you'll recognize that you have been, for we have all received one blessing after another. The grace I'm talking about initially could be called common grace. In fact, that's what theologians often refer to it as. It's grace that not is that isn't uh, doesn't mean it's uh, uh, not very good. Common. It means it's for everyone. Everyone has received it. It's common grace, or I, as a way of saying it, you could say it's surrounding grace. For instance, the fact that God has given us a conscience is a grace gift from God. Because that conscience, unless we have seared it, is a tool that can be used to help us determine right and wrong. It's a covering. Grace is a covering. I'm often asked in, a, in the pastorate, well, what about this little one who died before they had a chance to know Christ? It's a covering for them. God's grace covers those little ones that haven't had a chance on their own to understand the concept of sin and righteousness and life and death and heaven and hell. It's a covering. It's a covering for the infirmed, those that are mentally unable to be able to discern all that. God gives a covering. That's common grace. That's surrounding grace. What about the compassion and concern we have for people? That's a grace gift. 17 people died in in Branson, Missouri, just a week ago. You saw it. Tragic. Nine in one family. Found out later, two of the people that died lived just a few blocks from my mom. She would drive, she would go by their house on a regular basis. What happened when we heard about that? Did we shout for joy and clap for glee? No. You know what happened. Christian and non-Christian alike had compassion. There was concern. When there's a tsunami or an earthquake or a, or a hurricane or a tornado, what happens? People rise up and give. Why? That's God's grace. You take away God's grace and you lose all of that because man is going to go their own way and do their own thing. It's common grace. It's a cry for peace. People want to have peace. Listen, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you want peace. You want a peaceful life. You want a peace 
in your world. You want peace where you work. You want peace where you live. You want peace unless there's something unusually wrong with you. <laughs> All right. Well, that thought of grace on top of grace, we receive one blessing after another. For some of you, those blessings immediately come to mind. For, for me, they do too. But I have to confess that when those other things happen of God's surrounding grace, I don't immediately say, oh, that's God's grace. I just respond because of God's grace. But there are those times when we do know, when it's very clear that we have received one blessing after another. For instance, it happened to me just this week, Friday and Saturday, the Cardinals whooped the Cubs. One blessing after another. Amen. Let's hear it. And today we hope they're going to make it three in a row. I know the Cubs are way ahead of the Cardinals, but let me just say this. <clears throat> this is the number of World Series the Cubs have won in the last 100 years. One. This is the number of World Series that the Cardinals have won in the last 100 years. One plus 10 or 11. So deal with it. Amen. Yes. Had to get that in. 44 years ago, in just a few days, Becky and I were anticipating a blessing. We were expecting our first child. We were in the delivery room anticipating the joy that would come. I had my 8-millimeter movie camera. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was before the Super 8. Super 8s had sound. This was just silent. I'm filming the births, and lo and behold, we have a son. Dr. Westbrook holds him up. You have a son, Jeffrey Grant Manis. Wow, what a deal. And we're rejoicing in that. I'm still filming, and I hear Dr. Westbrook say, get ready for the second baby. Amen. And I said to Becky, there's another baby in there. We didn't know it. The doctor didn't know it. And 10 minutes later, blessing after blessing, Jeremy Todd Manis was born into this world, and we rejoiced. We called our parents that night. It's good that mom's here today. Called our parents that night, and we said, I said, Mom, we have a son, Jeffrey Grant Manis. And then I gave the phone to Becky. She says, and we have another son, Jeremy Todd Manis. And mom said, I don't believe it. And typically, from being from Missouri, she said, I won't believe it till I see it. And then you believed it, didn't you? She believed it then. Well, here's a picture of those blessings after blessings when they were really, really young. I love that picture. Jeff's on the right. He's so good looking. Jeremy's on the left. He's even better looking. <laughs> and here's a picture of them a little bit later on. I like to show this one. It's a... Uh, do you see Jeff on the right? Do you see what jersey he's wearing? Denver Broncos. He requested that for that Christmas. That's all I can say. The, I just found this picture this week. This is the one I really like too. <laughs> one, one blessing after another. I told Jeff I was showing pictures today. He said, I hope nobody laughs. But thank you for laughing. 
It is an immeasurable resource. Listen, it, it's higher and deeper and wider than we can ever comprehend. And we, re, we are recipients of it. All of us have received one blessing after another surrounding grace. Grace and truth are the foundation of faith. So what do I need to know about grace? Well, it is immeasurable resource. Number two, it is inclusively reaching. It's inclusively reaching. I believe the scripture clearly teaches that God's grace is for all, not just a select few. There may be some here who disagree with that. that I understand your perspective, but everywhere I look in scripture, it's a whosoever will may come. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is inclusively reaching. It goes right back to that verse 16 where it says, we've all received. We've all received. And I don't know about you, but all seems to indicate to me, everybody. We've all received one blessing after another. And over in Titus, we're going to see the same thing again, all right? So it is inclusively reaching. It's been that way from the beginning. From the very beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the fall of man. Adam and Eve have been placed in a beautiful garden, surrounded by everything they could possibly want, with only one restriction. And, and this, this always, I, I guess, blows my mind. One restriction. That's all they had. They, all they had. And yet, what did they do? They violated that restriction. And because of that, their eyes were opened. They recognized their condition as being separate now from a holy God. Their natures now marred by sin. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now we understand he's God. You don't hide from him. But the Lord, verse 9, God, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Listen, God's been calling that question ever since. Calling to his creation, mankind, where are you? I'm here for you. I love you. And I am inclusively, I am inclusively reaching for you. Acts chapter 17 verse 27 in the New Testament gives us another bit of a look at this grace that is reaching. In Acts 17 27, the apostle Paul is talking about the grace of God and he says this, Acts 17 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each of us. You see, the reason we can even find God is because He's already reaching. This is seeking grace. The first grace we talked about was surrounding grace. This is seeking grace. And no matter how old you are or how young you are, what gender you are, what, what your socioeconomic status may be, God has been seeking you all of your life. Now listen, for most of us, we just didn't understand it. We didn't get it because we couldn't see all that God was doing. 
God was working to bring people into our lives and, and allowing circumstances in our lives and helping us to hear the certain words that we needed to hear. It didn't always click right away, but then there were those times when we know God's seeking me, God's drawing me, God wants me to be His. And so it's, it is inclusively reaching. So grace and truth are the foundation of faith. What do I need to know about grace it's an immeasurable resource, never runs out. It is inclusively reaching. All are invited to come to Christ. All are welcome to know Him. The third thing, and the one we're going to spend probably the most time on, is this. It is individually received. Now, I need to clarify. The surrounding grace and the seeking grace come to all. They are unavoidable. They are inescapable. You cannot escape God's surrounding grace, nor can you escape His seeking grace. But you can reject it. Reject it to your loss. It won't be on the screen. You might want to make a note, but in Acts 26, excuse me, Isaiah 26, 10, it says this, though the wicked are shown grace, they do not learn righteousness. Even living in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and regard not the majesty of God. Boy, but that's God's grace. He's seeking. He's surrounding, but they ignore it. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, don't receive God's grace in vain. The book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, don't miss God's grace. So it is escapable and unavoidable, but if it is going to work in you, you have to individually receive it. Turn over to Titus. Titus, letter written by Paul to a young man, and in that letter, Paul gives us another picture of the grace of God. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to what? All men. God's faithful. God's merciful. I don't know how God's going to do it in every place and at every time, but it says God's grace has appeared to all men. And that grace does what? It brings salvation. The first grace we need to see here is this, that it is a saving grace. When God seeks me and I respond to his seeking, I open the door of my heart and invite him to come in. He saves me. He delivers me from the acts of sin that I have committed, my rebellion against him. Two times in, the, in Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says this, you are saved by grace. Saved by grace. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. So this grace that is being sent out toward us, when we respond individually, it's a saving grace. Aren't you thankful for that saving grace? The grace that has washed your sins away? And many of you have experienced that right here at Element Church. What a blessing. That's found in verse 11. 
Look at what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. There's a second avenue of grace that I see here too. It's found in verse 12. Look at verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I grew up in, a, in an era when, and maybe they still use this, this uh, advertising slogan, but they would say, just say no. Just say no to drugs. Just say no to this. Just say no to spinach. <laughs> I never heard that one, but I threw it in there. Just say no. Can I tell you something? Without the grace of God, you cannot say no to sin. You may for a season, but without the grace of God and God's Spirit working within you, you can't. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But it doesn't stop there. What else? And to worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And some of you may be thinking, well, man, things are a lot worse now than they were then. You know, I was thinking about that this week, and I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, we have the opportunity to see things in a, in a greater way, perhaps, but there were people back then that were sexually perverted. There were people back then that were using illegal substances. There were people back then who were murdering and killing, and there was racial bigotry, and there was hatred. It, it, it was all there. We just see it all the time because of what we have as far as the media. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to enable you to live an upright, godly life in this present age. Wow, that's a great testimony. And that is sustaining grace. He saves us, saving grace, and then he provides for us sustaining grace to get us through. In Hebrews chapter 4, we won't take time to look there today, but in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus being at the right hand of the Father at the throne of God. And he says this, we can come with confidence into his presence. We can approach the throne of grace, and here's what he says, so that you can find help, grace, in your time of need. Wow, I'm thankful for that. What I told Jeff that uh, every time I get ready to preach, the Monday before I am supposed to preach, I just begin to sense the burden. Not, not that I'm afraid of preaching, but you, you sense the, the importance of what you're going to do. Because you're going to stand before people and share the Word of God. And, and I pray, and I know Jeff and pastors do, Lord, help us to say what you once said. And please, Lord, don't let me say what shouldn't be said. I mean, put a guard on my lips. Keep watch over my mouth. And, and so uh, that's part of this sustaining grace. I go to the Lord, and I've gone to the Lord often this week. Lord, I need your help. You know who's going to be there. You know what we need to hear. You know who needs, who needs to receive your grace and walk in it. That's sustaining grace. There's a third avenue of grace I see here as well. And that's in verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. That's the salvation aspect. And this. And to purify for himself. 
purify, cleanse. A people that are his very own, I love this, this phrase, eager to do what is good. This I would call sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. God wants to do a work in our hearts to enable us to be able to set aside anything that would hinder our eagerness to do His will. So it's not a question of, am I going to do God's will? It is a question of, it is simply the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? The answer is already yes. Yes. It's sanctifying grace. Grace and truth are the foundation of faith. The big question then is, what do I need to learn about grace? Number one, it's an immeasurable resource. Number two, it's inclusively reaching. Number three, it's individually received. Surrounding, seeking, saving, sustaining, sanctifying. Now, here's the really big question that needs to be asked today. Have you received God's grace? That's the question. We may not ever understand fully what God's grace is all about, but when it has been seeking you, have you responded in faith, opening your heart and saying yes to Jesus? At the first of the week, I wasn't sure how to close this message. But as the week progressed, it became more and more clear that we just needed to give an opportunity for someone here today whom the Lord has been seeking to individually respond to the grace of God and be saved. Sins forgiven. Would you bow your heads, please? In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if God has revealed to you that He's drawing you, He's seeking you, you know you're not a Christian, you know your sins aren't forgiven, you know you're not right with God, but you want to be, if you'll pray this prayer from the depths of your spirit, believe on it, believe on Jesus, trust Him, the Scripture says you will be saved. That would be my greatest joy, to see God seeking grace become God's saving grace in you. Here's the prayer. You can pray it right in your heart and ask Jesus to forgive you. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you for seeking me even when I didn't realize it. You were reaching out to me. And today, I want to respond to that search that you have made. I open up the door to my heart, my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come in. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And right now, I receive you into my heart. Forgive me, Lord. Give me the grace that I need now to walk with you. 
Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sin in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody would look this way, and uh, every time I do this, it's with fear and trepidation because the, the enemy says, well, what if nobody raises their hand? doesn't make any difference. Whether people raise their hands or not, I've done what I felt God wanted me to do. The results are God's, not mine. So if you prayed that prayer, would you do something very bold and just hold up your hands so we can celebrate with you? This is a safe place, and we can celebrate God's goodness. Anybody? Raise your hand. Right there is one. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. Over here. All right. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Listen, as Pastor Jeff says, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And it's the hardest one you'll ever walk through because the enemy, the devil, will try and come and trip you up. And in order to help you, the church will provide you with a devotional to get you started, help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be sure and tell somebody you gave your heart to Christ. Go back to the purple tents and let them know back there or fill out on the, on the card that you committed your life to Christ. We want to rejoice with you. We want to pray for you. We want to support you. We want to walk with you. Isn't God's grace amazing? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great blessing of being part of this church. A church where your grace goes out and out and out and out, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and our lives are touched and the lives of others are touched, and for that we thank you. Thank you for these who have opened the door of their heart to you, and you've forgiven their sins and become their Savior. I pray, Lord, that from this moment on, they will be hungry to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.